0: You have a lamp
1: that is lit.
2: Yes, all right, back for another one, folks, and uh, ducks on a roll. I don't know, fifth stream this week, sixth stream, um, pumping out the content and uh, top quality content. Sometimes a bit dark, I have to say. I was had uh, <laughs> a chat with Charles yesterday as we just worked through the permutations of uh, what this what this hybrid warfare probably has in store for us and. Uh, <laughs> You gotta laugh otherwise say, Well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> swing for a swing swing from a lamppost, I guess. I right. Bottle of paracetamol and whiskey. That's what they want you to do. Don't do it, fight back. Remember your government loves you. Alright, so today we're gonna be meeting up with Doc Peck Anthony and we'll be getting the latest on the court case uh for uh, establishing informed consent against uh sovereigns uh in the commonwealth of virginia and before i call him up let me quickly quickly do this uh the soundboard is disabled Go on. third Four hand one. <laughs> not quite <laughs> what a you, fat Angie man, just uh it's gross gross, um, imagine waking up to that every morning as <laughs> she's sitting there reading a liberal rag and getting all <laughs> acting like she's on the rag, getting all wound up about toxic masculinity. Held <laughs> the homos being oppressed? Uh, right. Oh, one thing we're uh, we're streaming onto YouTube at the moment, but but folks, uh, I won't leave it up. So it's just there because I've noticed the chat is a little um, uh, it's lost some of its dynamic uh, pizzazz, and I I miss chatting with uh, the audience and maybe maybe if tax evading blick uh, simon phoenix is up we might try something which is uh, um, the stage event through the discord and so maybe people can uh, call in to the stream um let's see all right so uh, moving on from that uh just quick introduction that's me real scientist uh and uh yeah I I must, uh, i'll do uh w- what's his face that is me uh i am a legit scientist it's all published in shit. Shit. yeah it's true uh you can find me all over the internet for uh <laughs> science things on monkeys go look at check it out um it's real put you to sleep but uh Maybe, maybe uh, you want to learn a thing or two about the brain. But most importantly, um, the dojo, has got to work hard to keep its lights on. Please, 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 bookmark Dojo dot com. Um, it's our uh, little fortress on the battlefields of the, uh, the the information the information warfare front of uh, this hybrid warfare, and uh, well, you know. It can get taken out, but it's tough. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of high-tech uh, wizardry working in the background. Keep it running. Um, there's an up-to-date Twitter link. Uh, other places, Telegram, Getter. And, of course, most importantly, those Griff links, which keeps the doc able to keep these computer monitors on and uh, engage in the good fight. Please, please, please come to Patreon. Um, they've dropped off. I get it. People are... Um, ha, everyone's struggling let's see uh, uh well, what should we call them <laughs> the slug class They everywhere they go they leave a trail of slime um they're just making it more and more costly and uh yeah i i appreciate that um you know sending me a subscription every month or a patreon uh, might be difficult but please 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 dig deep into those pockets if you want to help the doc maintain a <laughs> an income where i can sort of make calculations about what i can uh, afford for the month if you want to if you find the stream informative and entertaining uh, during the stream you can use the wtyl.live tip jar that is the best link um lowest overheads uh, there's the link. Um, please, please, please send a link. Uh, if you've got a GayPal account, you can use it. StreamFags, GayPal uh, affiliate there. Buy me a coffee, subscribe star. All digital tulips gladly accepted. May I encourage you um, to join the Discord? You'll find me in there uh, when I'm not streaming. You can be. <laughs> Excuse me, registered to be notified by email when I go live because you can't trust these corporate bastards. Right, uh, let's get on with uh trying to figure out the uh the legalities. Um oh and uh Armando, uh very, very generous of you, sir. Thank you. Um Buying a mouse, yeah. Well, um, let me give an update on the uh, lab work. So, I I was working to scheduling for the new year, and um, the if, that, there's a slight complication, and um, it, it in a good way um, generally, um, less less so for the studies themselves. But I'm I I, I can't do those studies without RIMO and. Uh, Rimo is, um, electing for some medical procedures. I don't want to, um, give away too much, but, um, it's, uh, it's a positive thing. Let's hope she has success, uh, with those, uh, procedures and, um, everything, everything goes smoothly and we can do what we need to do. But, um, yeah, it just... It just makes things a little more complicated. Can't see me. Oh, yeah, of course. I switched off the camera yesterday for. Uh, there we go. It should pop back on now. There we go. Um, so, yeah, what was I going to do? Uh, Dot cat. All right, let's try this. Um, uh, let's see if he picks up straight away. But, uh, yeah, on Amando, on thank you. <laughs> much, much appreciated, really. Uh, let's see. Um, well, I What's can do... good? What's good? Hey, how you doing, Anthony? Doing well, doing well. Uh, let me do this real quick. And I guess I can be on the screen. Oh, let's, no, wait. Yeah, do that. Or should I? You're not going to come on the screen, right? Do you want to show you? There. Yeah, the, I'll share. The sharing screen. Um, So maybe we can do that. And then, yeah, I can be in the corner. That's a uh, decent looking uh, setup. And, yeah, everything else looks smooth. And we are good to go, bro. So, um. How have you been?
3: Well, Ben, um, digesting everything, you
2: Mm. know. Mm. Yeah, uh, I. I,
3: Really taking in uh, the court decision and doing a a kind of a post mortem. Um, So, what I'll be doing, what I'll be sharing with you today is the order from the court Mm. uh, and then kind of just going over their reasoning based upon our previous conversations. Mm. And then uh, last night, or actually all day yesterday, uh, I, I, I wrote an article kind of taking the lessons uh, from this case and how to apply them with more force, I guess you can say, to in essence compel uh, recognition of the S1 subunit of the spike protein itself as a biologic toxin, so... which, is the, which is the ultimate goal
2: um just just to uh summarize I, 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 like i say i i knew the result um i'm gonna say two three days ago you told me um mm. so for people who are on hooks um it,
3: it was yeah, on... hooks. Let's just, let's just skip to let's just skip to the end and we'll, mm. we'll and we'll talk about how we get here mm. okay so the court orders that respondents to mirror and plea of sovereign immunity is sustained and this matter is dismissed with prejudice meaning that i would not be able to bring a a suit back to court based upon the facts as they have been presented and that is the final order of the court
2: so um (laughs) legally sucks but um basically it's unsuccessful and you know i i I didn't want to sort of push you for like a stream or anything because, you know, I've I've had my sort of legal teeth kicked in in the last uh, <laughs> last week. It, it sucks. And um, but I'm glad I'm glad you contacted me and um, you want to go through this and speak about it because even even in loss, we we can learn something, as you were just alluding to. So... Um, Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe let's begin the forensic dissection of this decision. Why, yes. why they would reject you?
3: Yeah, with uh, as per request, request, can we get uh, from Saint Nick? Can we get a fuck these? Uh, you know, kind of like a shout out. Fuck, fuck these guys? cappers! here uh, you hear that right now? I think yeah. I do. Uh, did,
2: you, did you hear it? I, I pressed it. But, uh... All right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck these man.
3: <laughs> <These cappers. laughs> so let's uh let's go through this forensically so um really uh she's just given her background you know what i'm bringing forward what i'm suing for i wanted to receive informed consent so this is the relief that i'm asking the court to give me i want to receive informed consent that um, as to covid 19 vaccines receive informed consent as to the s1 spike protein status as a biologic toxin. And received notice of a possibility of a healthcare associated infection and rising from any use of the product with sars cov2 s1 spike protein that's actually no anything making it in the body there's so many errors within this judgment it's just aching to be appealed i have 21 days to file an appeal but for me it comes down to dinero and money and i've reached out to children's health defense they said that they would have taken it had they had a lawyer in virginia um They're going to be doing some work in Florida, and I think that uh, what I found here will just help them and everyone in Florida, especially with um, DeSantis and the Surgeon General opening up a quote-unquote investigation. We'll give you an investigation, motherfucker. The investigation already done. Now we're just going to compel you to forward up what the final findings are.
2: Uh, Did you just scroll up a little bit? Scrolling. So... At the end there, it says, number four, sue the Virginia Department of Health via mandamus. So um, I think you should sort of disambiguate that last bit, because my non-legal brain would say, oh, sue would be for like punitive damages. And from our discussions, I know that's not, not the case. Uh, right.
3: D- different, different filings are for different effects, right? So I filed under a declaratory judgment filing, and the only thing under a declaratory judgment is I'm asking for the right to sue. In essence, I'm asking for the court to recognize my legal standing so that I can sue them. A- and a mandamus, what I'm doing is I would be forcing them to act. So in the, in the declaratory judgment In essence, the only thing it does is establish legal standing. It doesn't do anything else other than that.
2: Yeah. So in effect, this was a sort of pre-positioning legal move to
3: open the way for uh, people to sue Yep. punitive. And let this be a lesson to anyone out there looking to sue under a mandamus or looking to sue for anything civilly against their government. The first step that you have to do is you have to establish legal standing. And in order to establish legal standing, you have to win under a declaratory judgment filing. Okay, you'll spend uh, a good six months fighting. That's what I did my first time when I sued under a mandamus uh, against the governor. Eventually it was thrown out because they said I did not establish legal standing because I had not gone through the declaratory judgment process. And it wasn't, and a declaratory judgment was not a part of my filing. You can also make a declaratory judgment part of an additional filing. So you can do a declaratory judgment and a mandamus. But if you do, if you do both, then you have to be able to argue. for me, I just wanted to simplify.
2: Right. You know? And when you're, when you're fighting with minimal resources, um, best to sort of bite off. Smaller, more manageable chunks, Correct. right?
3: Um, Correct. I mean, I, I'm just—I was at that point. I was just a guy who had been, you know, selling generic pharmaceuticals, non-controlled, okay, um, and uh, and decided to sue the governor of his state, mm-hmm. you know, and to take whatever resources that he had, which are just like, his brain, like and. <laughs> well that, all I, I can say is together. those
2: those uh, uncontrolled pharmaceuticals are uh, working amazingly on that uh, lump of uh, fat and protein between your ears sir. I salute you
3: yeah um, so we'll, we'll move on just um, I don't want to do too much background uh, in the court but did you, you get I mean did you was your question answered
2: yeah yeah it, it was for the it was for the last part but i i guess i've got a comment to add to that which is it's such a basic and fundamental thing that you're asking for which it, you know which it, most people would presume that those mechanisms are in place um you should have access to informed consent when especially when you're interacting with uh medical systems
3: right it's
2: you would think, hmm.
3: but the answer to that question is surprising. Hmm. Uh, and I'll tease it. I won't go there right now, but um, really yeah. the answer. For
2: Keep me edging it. Are... Keep me edging it. Don't get <laughs>
3: it. So we'll get there. We'll get there. So, in support of the claim, uh, I recited my history, um, outlined. Uh, that in august 2021 uh this is kind of just background stuff all right mm-hmm. let's try really well, actually that's,
2: that's an important bit that uh, the was said up there that the okay. governor was was telling people to get to go and get vaccinated right so you know okay. the the state apparatus is being used and you know i, I think in the uh, where we are currently in a sort of global analysis um in a highly unconventional type of warfare where the state is no longer your friend it never was to begin with but essentially i would say has become a actively hostile entity and um this is yeah, it's important that people understand that these declarations and um well almost orders from these people of authority um should you know shouldn't just be allowed to roll across (laughs) the the population of the country virginia or the state um without being challenged and you know it's it's kind of a sad sad reflection that you you were the only one to sort of see the issue and stand up and say hey hang on a minute um, what about just the most basic of rights yeah.
3: um, well, and everyone is going to be leveled up by the end of this talk on how to exercise those rights and how to direct it and how to affect the result that you want
2: and but just to add there and doing it within the context of state of emergency right so correct um, I would, I would say that these are wartime measures.
3: They are. Actually, the uh, ones uh, in charge of this uh, of emergency use authorizations, uh, it comes down to the National Security Council. Hmm. It's not the FDA. It's not the CDC. None of that. It, this is a mil. This is EUAs release for the general public are under martial legislation 2004 national defense authorization act um basically uh, it, under section 564 are where emergency use authorization drugs become authorized to the public at large and we'll get into that because <laughs> this is a lot of detail <laughs> <Yeah>. Hi- <laughs> hybrid
2: right. warfare dude <laughs> what can we say
3: absolutely So, you know, and and you're right, because when basically there is a declaration of an emergency and then there are specific powers that then become aligned underneath that, under that emergency and under that authority. And one of the things that we can also do is what we really need to do is find a way to use that emergency and that declaration for our advantage as opposed to fighting it. You know, And if we, can, if we can learn to do that judo, right, as a people, then any single individual with authority is going to think twice because they know whatever declaration that they issue can come back to them. It's not mm-hmm. just an exercise of their wanton discretion based upon, you know, the quote-unquote facts that they have presented in, in front of them at any given point in time, mm-hmm. which is basically whatever is on television. Right. Because they control the quote-unquote narrative
2: so i uh, yeah, uh, just to to get a feel for how things were on the ground um as as a um military doctrine being rolled out were there actual sort of uh home guard what do you call them in the u s state um, the military for the each state not the sort of National Guard. National Guard. That's that's the word I'm looking for. Um, were they being deployed for? I don't know. Giving people vaccines you know, and
3: no, because this is because this is a federal authorization that states are then choosing to participate in. So they're participating under Section Five Sixty Four. Okay, and you know. The quagmire and the issue legally really comes down to jurisdiction. Okay, And, you know, it's like you have this federal section which is authorizing EUAs to exist. You have state executives which are then authorizing its distribution to its populace. You know, and the idea of um, the federal government having authority over the states Right. What happens within the states as it relates to the distribution of the vaccines um, has not been authorized by the uh, by federal courts. Federal courts say that uh, internal distribution to states is a is is an exercise of state police powers. So in essence, what the federal government was looking to do was to. create um a federal police powers and to usurp state police powers it was an attempted coup of each state which is sovereign to the federal government in my personal opinion
2: well i've just got a comment from brett Doughty that says the u.s national guard was deployed to swab people for pcr temp check people etc um i i i I was just going to add to that i know uh, the British military were used in a similar capacity as well. Um, but anyway, it's just. Uh...
3: Yep, but as it relates to you know exercise of the National Guard, that would be a governor's at the governor's discretion, right? The gov- the, the president can't order the governor to use the National Guard to distribute the vaccines. He can suggest it. Can threaten to withhold funding <laughs> but he yeah. can't well know, th-
2: therapeutics right so which, they, which they did to florida
3: yeah but the monoclonals yeah you know yep. but i was also I also had some reading that monoclonals are um also help with the ade like they're they have a, a factor with ade not, not to say that you know well you know, side it's, note, it, it's like
2: any intervention right there's it's it's a risk benefit calculation, and um, someone who's in a sort of crisis moment, yeah, maybe you maybe you take the decision. I, I I've I know many many people that were helped by monoclonal therapists, but I also know people that um, were harmed as well. So uh, again, well, it's it's a example of just we should tread lightly um, in these scenarios and it it reflects poorly on the fact that they they went to such great lengths to stifle the use of established medicines for treating these conditions. So, um, you know, I think it's a fair conclusion to reach right now with that a lot of a lot of the top-down decision-making was geared specifically to favor corporations to roll out to give them the space to roll out new therapies and test new therapies without blowback basically
3: there's a yeah under a completely new Mm. you know platform
2: well really, hence no. hence the need to uh ask for informed consent when um they they're offering these up to
3: you
0: uh, you would think yeah
3: <laughs> so you know um Ralph Northam actually he didn't only encourage Virginians he mandated all state employees to get vaccinated so mm. this is bullshit mm. um governor Glenn Youngkin declared a temporary state of emergency and announced his actually it was a covid-19 uh Marshall plan, like his vaccine Marshall plan for all of Virginia is what he originally called it. And then he changed it into his action plan. Mm. So I know it at the time, you know, and up to the time filed COVID-19 vaccines were only authorized for EUA. And that under EUA, um, recipients of such vaccines are entitled to informed consent under the human research statutes of VA code 32.1162 and 32.1162.18. So these specific statutes, so the court centered in on the laws that I used in my case. Right. this is what he's asking for. Okay. Right, so, um, so I reached out to VDH for certain information related to whether or not informed consent was being used for COVID-19 vaccines. VDH responded that no such informed consent was required, rather only informational fact sheets produced by the CDC were needed. Petitioner argues fact sheets are insufficient to meet requirements. Um, and then informed consent is explicitly needed where there's a risk of healthcare-associated infection because the S1 subunit is a biologic toxin and can contribute to long COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, she doesn't say that they agreed with this assessment. She just said that I argued this. Mm-hmm. I have in writing that they agreed with this. You see, what I'm, just within the background, within the framing of the decision, mm-hmm. So a uh, petitioner alleges that VDH has not acted appropriately in the face of his proposition that the S1 subunit contributes to COVID and now seeks relief to compel VDH and its commissioner to act. Um, interspence followed a demure plea sovereign immunity and he said, no, we ain't got to, you know. Um, petitioner's claim is under eight hundred one one eight four, which governs declaratory I just, relief. Uh, I don't
2: want to mean to interrupt again, but it's uh, – uh, again, this is my – naivety with the legal language but it's it's funny that they they're giving entities and organizations the same legal um standing as as being sovereign um or having these sovereign rights right you would i don't know it see it feels it feels a little um
3: here you go this is really what it comes down to all right so sovereign immunity refers to the fact that the government cannot be sued without its consent
2: okay okay oh, yeah. can we say loaded dice
3: you know you first ha- at first have to specifically say that you can sue me and then you can sue me if it doesn't then sorry, you can't sue me. Mm. Which which is ultimately what it comes down to because you know there is nowhere um where the where it is written in law that they have to prov- that they <laughs> that they can be sued if they don't provide informed consent. You follow?
2: I think so. I think okay. so. But that, that that's just a stunning again i'm sure there's loads of um legal precedent and argumentation as to why why the government can decide if you can sue it or not
3: yeah but that but that is the concept right that the, the king can do no wrong so within the legislature there are um and within the laws there are specific laws which they say hey you can sue us all right. Mm. So it does exist. It, it, otherwise, they wouldn't say that it exists, or that there's a a place where you could find where um, consent has been given, mm. right? And I in Virginia, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everyone in Virginia is going to get level up. Um, so kind of going towards uh, just here. This is a declaratory judgment. That's what 801184 is. And that's what I'm suing for. And then she goes into her opinion. Okay. Uh, and then there you go. Uh, Lacks standing. He doesn't have spend standing uh, for plaintiff, you know, have to allege. We've been through this. says, case controversy enables the court's rent of proper relief, you know, and then she just completely ignores the emails, cannot point to a specific controversy or justiciable interest that conveys standing. Right. And then she says he's attempting to remedy an issue that is general to all citizens of the Commonwealth, which is completely counter to what even the AG argued in his demure. He says that Peña appears to seek relief for himself. But, you know, that's why an appeal, I would eviscerate them on appeal. There's a justiciable controversy that was ignored. It wasn't even argued within the demure. Like, she just created this out of the ether. This sentence right here attempting to remedy an issue that is general to all citizens. Nah. My emails, my communication, my informed consent. Okay. Not, we'll leave that alone. Second, the court finds that sovereign immunity bars all claims. Sovereign immunity is jurisdictional uh, under Asphalt v Commonwealth. Again, a waiver of immunity must be expressly stated and explicit in the statute right so and i just showed you that earlier right that's what sovereign immunity is they can't be sued without their consent okay um as there's no waiver court has no jurisdiction so they say you know even if he did had it even if he did did have standing we wouldn't have jurisdiction in essence right is is, yeah, so, is,
0: uh, is that true so where,
2: where do you seek redress then if the courts are Saying that they they can't do anything anyway, even if you did have the.
3: Well, well okay. Uh, under uh, here, here we go. So under AFSAL, um the Commonwealth actually, what they find uh, was this Absol. I need to go back here. This is notes. So under the uh, Virginia Administrative uh, Pro- Processes Act,
0: okay. Let's go here. Let's just... Actually... Let me just bring it up. Actually, 4002. That was a misciting.
2: But there's... Well, like I say, I I find it um, astonishing that... that, that There's the the stated... (laughs) Uh, barrier to seeking redress just there in your face. We, we can do what we want.
3: And so, well, not always. So here's VA Code 2.2 4002, exemptions from chapter generally. Okay. This is where sovereign immunity has been waived.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Uh, so obviously the
0: legislature. Uh, courts, so places where they do not have sovereign
3: immunity. Hmm. Oh, look at that. Well, what's this? Mm. Hmm. What does this say? Oh, the Board of Health in promulgating the list of diseases that shall be reported to the Department of Health pursuant to 32.1 35. Mm. Right? which is what I brought up in my oral arguments. I presented that to the court and it's also a matter of record because they have this, I, I, I gave this, I sent this in as an appendix afterward. So this is, it should actually be 2.24002 4002 number 22, All right? The board shall promulgate from time to time, a list of diseases, including diseases caused by exposure to any toxics, including diseases caused by exposure to any toxic substance,
2: huh? huh yeah, well, that, again, my, <laughs> my my small legal brain would just say, well, isn't that slam dunk? Shouldn't they be complying with their own legislation
3: in this case? Uh, you, you know, um, but if it is not a part of the order, does it exist? Right?
0: So, you know,
3: that's kind of where we come down to, man. You know, these these laws that I cited were not part of, and they're not a part of this, right? So, because it's not a part of this, and because I didn't sue under, you know, uh, the 32.1-35, Right. I made actually I made that correction in oral arguments. I said what I'm asking this court for is consequential to their duty to report. Right. If they do not have sovereign immunity as to the reporting. Right. Including diseases caused by exposure to any toxic substance. Then how then informed consent becomes consequential to their duty to report that the S1 subunit is the causative agent for long COVID. Long COVID is legally recognized as a disability. Long COVID is a direct sequelae of a virus of public health threat. Right, looking for things that are legally actionable, and with it being, with the S1 subunit being the causative agent of a disability, it is a biologic toxin by definition. Therefore, anything making it in the body is a toxic substance by definition.
2: Right? I agree with you, dude. I'm on your side. I follow.
3: <laughs> so, it, 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 you know, and it's one thing to agree, one thing to come into a common understanding. Now, how do we take that understanding and apply it to affect a legal result? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so... wait. wait, wait. So,
2: so you, just because I, I, I saw an important... What's seemed important... So, plaintiff seeks relief under evince no clear, express, intentional and explicit waiver of uh, sovereign immunity. As there is no waiver of the Commonwealth sovereign immunity, the court has no jurisdiction to consider the matter. Um, yeah, I suppose we've just um, fleshed that out, but
3: well it's basically yeah we did just flesh that out um so even if i did have standing the claim cannot proceed as neither of these statutes confer a private right of action this one like blew me away uh virginia's informed consent law rather you know 32.16 is a definitional section merely defining terms and 32.116218 outlines the steps of attaining informed consent so, neither of these statutes are really compelling action, right? There is no private right of action under the, the statutes that I had cited. There's, there's nothing to confer enforcement for the court, I guess you can say. That's what they're saying. It didn't make sense to me. Uh,
2: but So, what are those, what are those laws... Apply to other other organizations. Then uh, aren't, aren't all these laws eventually uh, consequential well, for the individual?
3: They are under um, human research statutes. Um, so my contention uh, was that the vaccines were human research. Okay and because of human research then there are you know specific things that kind of fall under that within statute okay so this is everything within human research this was the chapter that i was suing under and apparently it it doesn't apply and and actually believe it or not um the eua vaccines are uh, considered non-investigational the only thing that made emergency use authorization distinct from um investigational drugs in the past was the designation of being investigated. Mm. And what ends up happening uh is that um the uh, man, um I'm kinda getting lost here.
2: <laughs> well so as as uh my my understanding was that yeah an, an emergency use authorization is given be- because the treatment is considered still in research it, it's um, they don't know the full extent of its actions over the short medium and long time and so the the emergency use authorization i guess is a, a, a the fig leaf for um trying to cover that ass should there be? Oh, what should we say, sudden death, <laughs> died suddenly. Died um... no, uh,
3: suddenly. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the post mortem of really what, what what I learned here, man. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to going over the opinion. Um, so, it, is it possible to release a medical product without providing informed consent to the one receiving it? The actually, the answer is yes okay, because uh, it is considered a medical countermeasure, right? When the uh, emergency... Well, I was going to say, that, that
2: verbiage and language, is that a consequence of, because of the military nature of what we're dealing with? Medical countermeasures sounds, well, I, I always hear that term within the context of Biowarfare, etc. So um yeah.
3: that is EUA. Hmm. And EUA is synonymous with a medical countermeasure. Okay. What make and what makes it distinct from an investigational drug, which is what prevented the FDA from releasing things to the public prior to the two thousand and four NDAA section five sixty four under FDCA. Um, the only thing that prevented prevented them was that designation of investigational. So by just saying, "Well, these are non-investigational," because there is an imminent threat, there is an emergency. I think as David Knight says, sometimes he's like, "Oh, it's the emergency, everybody! We have to be together." <laughs> mm. And because it because it's under an emergency declaration, um, it is authorized as a medical countermeasure. Medical countermeasures are non-investigational; hence, no, re- not under the auspices of research. So human, so suing for informed consent is going to be near impossible because they're non-investigational.
2: Let me let me try and wrap my head around
0: <laughs>
3: legal land. Legal land.
2: Yeah. Legal land. So well just knowing what I know now and you know so let's let's start at that two thousand four section five six four um declaration. It seems that they've made a very deliberate move over the years to get to the point where we are now such that and you know we we had that meet as a uh not per bright um but where they were talking they've got to blow the system up to sort of bring in new next generation treatments oh, what was that what was that meeting
3: next generation <laughs> We're going quantum, baby. Well, oh, yeah. d-
2: you know, the, the argument was that, you know, they were relying on sort of egg-based um, vaccines and, you know, it was very sort of hit and miss. And and the, um, you, you know, the assumption was that this new technology was ready to roll out and they were just itching to sort of try it. And, you know, it looks like they've... Methodically put into place the legislation that they need, so that they could get to this point, and uh, and yeah, you could say it's to cover their ass um, legally, but um, I'm I'm struggling with the fact that there's no there's no recourse un, under what should be such a fundamental right of of informed consent because you you they still don't know right it, even if it's a medical countermeasure there are a bunch of unknowns that could potentially emerge which we which we're dealing with right now and so yes
3: um, and and for those specific reasons is why Pfizer Moderna Janssen and AstraZeneca have provided wonderful fact sheets that are available online cdc.gov <laughs> and
2: and it's really that um easy for them to sidestep s- such fundamental issues i I've, I've i'm finding that difficult to sort of compute uh, and you go. it's not you it's just that we've we've legislatively put ourselves into this position and no one, no one within the last twenty years thought there might be a problem. It, I'm struggling with that.
3: Yep. I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, that's the reality. Mm. You know, I mean, go back and look at the reasoning and how it is that we came to that. You know, mm. I think you know they put that in there. It's like, oh, just in the worst case. Emergency. Worst case scenario would never be taken advantage of. Mm. Never not. Just worst case, just in just in case. Well, let's just put it federal legislation. You know, we're dealing with uh with with, well, um, it, it, it really, with a lot of resources. <laughs> it,
2: it really shows that uh the public generally have to be aware of virtually every sentence that they're Pushing into these uh, legislative instruments to be looking for these, you know, very subtle get-out clauses that they've put in, and it, I guess it sort of preys on people's naivety because oh, emergency worst-case scenario. What could that? What, what could that be? You
3: know? Well, it's, what, it's whatever is declared, right? You know? right. And in this so case, we need to scale,
2: we... right? We need a, We need a. We need some metric rather than just the the whims of the bureaucrats in the office at the time.
3: Well, let's look at the metric that's been presented, right? There's been a worldwide emergency that's been declared based upon uh, a virus, um, which causes untold death, you know, long-term complications, um, and its sequelae are also an issue um the main alpha strain B117 which is the the worst you know strain uh in the world is no longer in natural circulation but the most toxic part of the most toxic protein is centered as the main therapeutic target to distribute to the public at large how in the like there is when you when you logically break it down you're legally just you're legally authorizing the distribution of the most toxic part of what has caused you to declare the emergency in the first place yeah
2: and you know this was the discussion i had with charles yesterday it's just um the, the well we're trying to frame it around furin and its inclusion and it and that they knew right and have discussed ad nauseam uh, in public um, uh, discussions, that those elements should would never ever be included in um, these vaccine technologies. So th- the fact that they have put them in goes against the scientific consensus up to 2019. So um, you know, this is that this goes into the um, uh, having a, a metric with respect to severity, and I guess with with that in the medical countermeasures, there must be body a uh, body of work and experts who who talk at these conferences and say, well, we can do this, don't do that, and in that don't do that column was don't put don't put the furin cleavage site um, because. You don't want it infecting other tissues, right? It's, it's in theory, in its most basic form, it should stay put at the immune uh, or at the boundary where you're trying to elicit the immune response, and that should be it. And in this instance, they've put in uh, something that's known to um, increase tropism
3: and, yeah... When when, when did a measure of effectiveness be translated down to immunogenicity? Look at how much more activity is activated by the immune system here. Wow, we need to have more of that. No, you need to study why. (laughs) You need to figure out why there's so much immunogenicity happening around the specific protein before you decide to distribute it to the public at large. Right, yeah. but then using using that as the main therapeutic driver for the sale, you know, or for the purpose and reason, man, bro, you have to be like, I, I've stopped trying to make sense of it. Well, I, it's, it's, I, I can only point to the <laughs>
2: flaws in logic. Well, it's it's it, what it looks like is it, it looks a very deliberate action, and um, what it means is is that we're we're subject to the. Um, pace and type of actions that whatever these entities are that we're struggling against, we're fighting against in this type of warfare, they've got the upper hand right now and we're having to um, you know, in a fight you want to be, it's you that wants to be pressing the pace and they've managed to um through very very deliberate actions um and i would i would also say deceptive actions uh, with respect to being to the public at large um maneuvered us into this position where yeah as you say they can they can dish out the something that they know is that the body is highly reactive to and being highly reactive would in most cases Lead clinicians and scientists to say, "Well, you know, perhaps we should treat it with a bit of caution." And the precautionary principle was thrown out the window.
3: Everyone, I mean, when you look at the spike protein, right? Every all the research says the spike protein becomes activated when it's separated between the S one and S two subunits. The reason the furin cleavage site comes into play. And why they were probably like, holy cow, like, you know, freaking out is because of the reverse complement to the, to the patent for Hermansky-Pudlak, mm. you know? And, 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 I, and bro, like you, you can't, you can't deny it. It's a biological reality. It's an oncology gene. By derivation, you cannot say that the spike protein is not carcinogenic, mm. The nature of the gene at the end of the of the furing cleavage site is an oncology gene, cancer gene, by definition.
2: Look, we, we were reading this paper yesterday where um, they were using MERS and showed that it was only possible for a polybasic furin cleavage site to emerge via um, manipulation through serial passage. and the conclusion being that the same would apply for sars in this instance and um well (laughs) it comes down to they knew
3: a reverse complement for a patented gene doesn't appear out of nature Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is that is excess waste that you're trying to figure out what to do with, and that's how it ended up there. Oh, figured, and, oh the,
2: and and the the thing I wanted to um, oh, extra
3: material. Why don't we do this?
2: <laughs> so in that paper is that they they show that, um, that those motifs allow it to translocate into the nucleus of the cell, and yeah, maybe MERS and SARS are a little different, but. Again, this wasn't a new paper. This was—I want to say—it was 2017. Yep. And you know, uh, so uh, we're, we're translocating into the nucleus known oncogenic sequences. Bravo.
3: And if you, if you can, if you can translate into the nucleus, you can translocate into the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people focus on nucleic DNA and nucleic kind of interaction, but I tell you what, mitochondrial interaction is. Just as important, yeah. you know, and and it's and and it's typically ignored from the genetic side because of the focus on the nu- on the nucleus. But like I wrote, about well, that's that's bit. that's where
2: all the you know the ninety nine percent of the genetic material is. So it's an easy easy thing to focus on, all right? Um, and and, yeah. Yeah. and you know, for good reason. This, you play nuclear the nuclear material does drive a lot of um cancer but yeah we we know that mitochondria take a hit in in sars
3: and huge, huge hit mm. massive i mean they end up um just dis- like making about half the dna and about twice the rna mm. like there's clear um um nucleotide dysfunction mm. going on within uh Mitochondria, as a result of just the spike protein, you know, which can, which, can, which, which will cause mitochondrial to burn out. And once the mitochondria burns out, well, you have a cell with no energy. And then what happens to the cell? Cell says, "Okay, bye bye." Poof, apoptosis. You know. And then in the case, and I was also thinking about ribosomes as well. Many people kind of consider ribosomes as, as kind of like its own thing or part of, you know, the ER and plato- endoplasmic reticulum. Ribosomes are also expressed in mitochondria. So, you know, thought experiment, you have a nanolipid particle coming in and they say, oh, it's going to go to the ribosomes in ER, and it ends up going into mitochondria, and you have direct infection of mitochondria of the spike protein that then starts to produce this thing over and over and over again. You have uh, genetic repair dysregulation because of the introduction of of the MSH3 gene binding to MSH2. MSH6 concentration goes up, and then the mitochondria says, "Oh, we're out of balance. We need to start producing more in order to kind of fix this." And then so reaction, uh, what spike is <laughs> nice. Electron trains.
2: Yeah,
3: electron chain, tra- uh, electron chain transport, um, or electron transport chain speeds up, increases ROS. ROS then starts to filter out. Mm. And everyone is wondering how much is why is there so much ROS? You know, and, and the other thing that I was looking at was uh, Ryan Cole slides in terms of the spike uh, intrusion and infection into the heart muscle, and like how pervasive it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, so what happens when uh, a cell apoptizes? It'll divide into lysosomes and then get recycled and repicked up. Well, if you have if you have spike infected mRNA uh, in mitochondria, and it gets you know kind of like. Jigsaw piece back into like like you know like if if it's part of a repair in another cell, or I'm just thinking it's that re- that that mitochondrial material is then recycled with that spike or mRNA already in it. Well, then it kind of starts to be be pervasive within the system as a whole. Yeah, that was a hypothesis. Hypothesis. I'm, not, I'm just hypothesis.
2: No, I, I, the, the heart damage is there. I mean, it, it, the data is starting to come out now. They, um, you know, they could only tap down that area of research for so long before before the data does come out and um yeah the yep. uh, you know I was it's it, it's anecdotal obviously but you know it was just some young lad in the UK um he he'd got he managed to get a diagnosis of uh, myocarditis but it took him a year and 5 Going to through five different doctors, and the first four w- wouldn't wouldn't touch him because he was saying it was the consequence. You know, he he felt that it was due to the vaccine. He was fit and healthy before, and took the shot, and then the chest pain emerged, and then you know eventually he got a PET image diagnosis, and um, yeah, they they've confirmed that he had vaccine vaccine induced myocarditis but that was just one person and a year's worth of struggle um and all the time he was being gaslit with oh it's all in your head right and that's that's the system that people are having to operate in
3: so the first hurdle um in operating within the system is finding out where Sovereign Immunity has been specifically waived. And at least in Virginia, it was part of the Administrative Processes Act. It could be Administrative Procedures Act. Um, different states may specifically waive it within each section. So they may not have a whole, you know, um, section where it's specifically waived. All right. It might be part of, um, like informed consent, right? So it it, it may be here in, under health as opposed to under administrative process. Every state organizes it differently. But if you're going to sue the government um, as a private citizen, it, they're going to bring it up. They're going to say, you can't sue us because we haven't given you permission to sue us for this out of the blue. And so uh, really, your first um, check would be to look at either Administrative Processes or Procedures Act in Virginia. Uh, I had thirty-two point one three five list of reports in uh, disease and dangerous microbes and pathogens, which were which was listed. Uh, I had provided them a notice of the administrative code in the emails that i had sent
0: Uh, again well this this is administrative code uh regarding
3: um toxins and so it's the beginning of so administrative code is dependent upon
0: the code of virginia they set the laws and then the policy is here the regulations for reporting of diseases Okay.
3: Definitions reported, the list of diseases that shall be reported. Right? Okay? I cited this. I cited, these are the list of diseases that shall be reported. Right? Coronavirus, infection, severe. Post-acute, severe, COVID. PASC, or post-acute sequelae of COVID. And it has a little asterisk. Right? And that asterisk means it has to be reported. See? Conditions identified by NASCARists require immediate communication to local health department by the most rapid means available upon suspicion or confirmation. Right? I cited this in my email. Long COVID, being related to the spike protein, I got your admission for it. This is what I mean by compulsory reporting. Finding areas where they are compelled to act, where they can't say no. Okay, and and the government has been has has specifically waived sovereign immunity and said no, we we can be sued for this. We give consent to be sued for this. As a legislature, that's smart because you would want to know about anything you know that's a danger to the physical health. You would think of your people,
0: at least in Virginia. So,
3: okay, um. and and it's for each state. Each state is different. You know, it took me a year to get to this point. <laughs> so, while uh, gallivanting along the meadows of legal land, it appears that I may have found the foundation to move forward, as well as a distillation of how others may present this information to local councils, boards of health, private doctors, pharmacies, hospitals, public school boards in order to place them in a position where compulsory reporting is required of them by law, and which may not be demurred, dismissed on the grounds of sovereign immunity. So we really need to start um, placing them in in possession of the information which is scientifically and legally incontrovertible then we're not relying on their discretion because the law will compel them to act and they will have the choice to do that voluntarily or, if presented in a specific way, set the facts to then go to court for a declaratory judgment and amendamus, which you know you'll win. Well,
2: you you hope you win, but then if you're getting a judge that's being selective in the evidence and legislature that they're looking at this is a, an issue that I've just had to deal with where they've completely ignored um the written and contractual evidence presented um just to um well Japanese laws are, are a little different but um the um it it's it's a tough thing when you know the judge that you're relying on won't won't look at evidence right and you know you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink type of thing um and the problem the problem that i see we could have is that the in the background the judge can always be nudged to say hey you know you can miss that bit and then there's, and then once you, once they've made a judgment, it's, there's this long, if you're going to try and appeal it, there's this long slog to try to just bring up again, you know, the most basics, uh, 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 you know, of of your evidence of the um, proofs on your side, and you know, are are they going to look at it the second time? How many how many times? How much time do you have to devote to trying to pursue yeah um selective judges biases and um you don't and
3: like you don't select the judges like the judges are selected
2: no i'm saying when the judge is being selective in their um reading of the evidence that they would just ah. they that they would deliberately and i would i would say it's deliberate um miss over or skip over um critical pieces of the evidence to reach their um predetermined judgment right to make sure that I don't know, they, they get access to holiday homes and whatever other little sweeteners that are giving to them in the background because again you're dealing with um human beings and uh well I, i'm sorry dude i'm just whinging about my own
0: <laughs> sorry, my but, own no case. you're right you're right no no
3: <laughs> I hear you, and and we're dealing with human beings, you know, and and that's it, yeah. and and everyone is very comfortable within the validation that they've received up to this point that they have made the right decision for themselves and their, you know, their mm. community, and mm. you know they're they're very proud and they look down upon the others, you know, mm. uh, but I, I'll tell you what, um, you know, biological reality is biological reality, mm. and regardless of how much the TV tells you uh to feel good about yourself uh, eventually real life um may intercede to say mm. that you know it isn't as rosy um up there mm. so yeah but it's
2: so you're dependent on other people trying to bring forward um the same cases and you know perhaps if you were if you're in a situation where you could say oh i have i have been harmed right and i i yep. I, I wasn't then then there may be
3: well the thing is that um when it comes to viruses of public health threat there mm-hmm. is imminent harm which is used as justification for everything so mm-hmm. when it's presented that you know the main driver of this of the of the of the justification of imminent harm that has been used is being injected and causing disabilities and death um, that person would therefore, uh, at least within the health field, uh, be required to report that information up. Mm-hmm. So this is this is really beyond just a single lawsuit. What really needs to happen is um, a massive campaign, nationwide campaign on the local level, that will put local authorities in a position where they don't have sovereign immunity and have to pass up the information each time they pass up that information it's going to get to a level which the person receiving that is going to have to act upon or the eua is going to have to end and then these things are going to have to go away
0: right but, Yeah. Wow, and it's
3: and it's and it's really simple. And, and what I did is actually um, in the article that I had put in chat earlier, the uh, informed consent is dead one. Actually, I'll, I'll put it back in right here at the bottom. There is a checklist, okay. And what I've done here is I've really condensed the past two years of what I've learned and how I'm going to be moving forward uh to affect the result of getting the s1 subunit recognized as a biologic toxin nothing else happens nothing else can happen until that is acknowledged as reality legal scientific mass health reality and fronted so
2: um uh... I'm trying to think of practical ways for people, you know, in the immediacy, because obviously legal pathways are going to be, um, but just take time. And yep. the only thing I can sort of think of is a is a sort of mass non-compliance. But then you're asking people to put their jobs on the line, and um, I don't. I, I, I'm, most people don't realise the threat that we're under right now because of, well, it, it, we're being attacked from sort of multiple vectors. So from we are the, the viral side to the legislative side, to the, um, the corporations that are, are beginning to infiltrate into government structures. And, you know, <laughs> it's a, that you, you should be able to ask if the judge has uh what's her stock portfolio how much does she have in uh pfizer and uh, <laughs> these other companies because you know h- how much does that play into her selective reading of the evidence that you've you've put through and that, you know from what i'm seeing um you've placed what what seems like the appropriate legislation in front of her, the the scientific evidence in front of, what well, it was a her right if I'm remembering correctly, the judge, mm-hmm. right, um, and yeah, you you end up, well, you're bashing your head against a a legal brick wall,
3: right you now, are... and so. What just needs to happen is a dissemin- a, constant, a concerted effort on the dissemination of this information. Mm. You know, and unfortunately, um, actually fortunately, there are many ways in which the information can be presented in a concise, clear-cut way to put public officials on notice that, you know, of what the reality is hmm. so you'll be back
2: so mass <laughs> mass non-compliance with this um yeah nice nice little condensed uh,
3: uh, this is this is not non-compliance this is active uh, uh, yeah but uh, i'm
2: i'm trying to sort of think of stuff that people can do tomorrow right and yep. you, so yes you've got to still pursue the legal avenue but in Trying to establish um why you're why you're not complying right because you feel that your informed consent is being infringed, then it's good to have yeah five six Absolutely. bullet points to to point to and um say we're gonna fight this out Because
3: yep. Um, yep. you can be you can be assertive in your request for informed consent, yeah. <laughs> right, it, it, you don't have to necessarily take a, defen- a defensive posture, which is essentially what all of the courts are asking. You know, how have you been harmed? How have you been harmed? And the whole point of the EUA, of the justification for the EUA, is the possibility of, oh, excuse me, not the possibility, the presentment of an imminent harm. Right, a future, not, not a guaranteed harm. But there is a an imminent harm that may befall you. and because of that possible imminent harm that may befall you, we're gonna allow you access to these medical countermeasures right and and while being while given access to those medical countermeasures, there's two things that are required. One, that you're given the choice to either take it or not and um, notified that it is an EUA. And then the second thing that uh, you're also guaranteed under Section 564 is a list um, of the risks and benefits and to which those risks and benefits are known and unknown. Okay? So long COVID, right? There we go. Long COVID is the direct sequelae of a disease of public health threat. Long COVID is defined by HHS as a disability.
2: And and just to add to that, um, I had an article. Let me just see if I can pull it up. Uh, It was about the impact on the workforce of uh, long COVID. And the numbers are, well, startling. Let me just see if I can. first one let me just bring this up yeah I'll give I'll give you the link and then you can display it on the screen
0: oh no that that actually wasn't the one that I wanted but um... all right I'll delete you later (laughs)
3: Emergence. Okay, this one. Bilton effects of long COVID in US?
2: Yeah, I, I had another one that was directly talking about its effect on employment.
3: Um, about the study. Uh, we showed 8,084% female, and 90% in white.
0: I'm sure I took
3: it maybe. 60% of long COVID patients had received a primary course of an adenovirus or messenger mRNA vaccine. Ooh. Oh, here it is. Uh, how many workers took time off?
0: Okay. Wow. So,
2: you know, the, there's some argument still about whether vaccines are helping to protect against long COVID I'm I want more data but um, all the time that there are studies which saying it doesn't protect um, I think that needs to take predominance in the discussion
3: the predominance of the discussion is going to be timing the shorter the time they look at, the more benefit. And the closer to vaccination, the more benefit. The longer the study and the longer the observation, the worse off there are. It, it, there's an acute phase because um uh CD eights end up becoming so active that they just they just squash squash anything else. Yeah. Um... The I, I saw one study that that showed like a two month like a two month benefit, but as soon as it wanes and come off, you know, then then a- antibody dependent enhancement goes goes up. Hmm. Yeah, and then you're more prone to innate immune uh, infection from natural viruses uh, or
2: um yeah I mean, You know, that's another article that I was sort of lining up for. Sorry. Um... Uh it it just gets to your point about um how other viruses can have an impact. So um mucosal immunity um takes a hit. Here, bring bring this one up. Yeah, mucosal? Yes, so your ability to defend against uh, other transmissible viruses at your you know, your natural barriers. Um take takes a hit so
3: well yeah because it's innate because the innate immune system is Mm. is affected Mm. you know like what is it like 50% reduction after two series and then 50% 50% reduction for every booster after that so after four you're down to 12 and a half we need immunity, it's and it's not reversible. Good luck for the rest of your life with autoimmunity and having to deal with everything else that your body can't fend off because it can't process the pathogens into antigens and hand it off into your adaptive immune system for antibodies to be made. Uh,
2: and I'll, I'll just just for just for clarity for um this paper that he has up is after the infection itself, not um not vaccination. But um uh, okay. the the point being that levels of spike expressed spike protein are comparable between either um picking it up on the train or having it injected into your arm and uh, you know if you if you're gonna bring about a medical countermeasure you want you wanna say that there that there has to be a very significant um change in in the in the progression of the disease state. And we're not seeing that. And in, in everything that I'm looking at, you could, you could say that you could almost argue that vaccination is equivalent to infection and any, uh, well, as you say, any it's recorded worse. benefit is, seems to be transient. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be speaking with that Dr. Lee, um, the, the lung doctor, I think, uh, monday and like part part of his argument is is that because you uh, there's just a general activation that you would get from you know even if you gave flu vaccines um of i want to say i want to say he was talking about ability to sort of break down foreign rna etc I, I need to. I need to. Before the interview, just read his stuff again. Um, but um, that that transient benefit is would happen anyway. Ir, irrespective of the of the intervention they've made, so even if they just gave you flu vaccine, there would be this. You would see this transient benefit go yeah. away, and yeah. uh, um, and so we're we're in a situation where um it it's it it doesn't fit the general classification of uh, a vaccine it's just bec- it's a th- therapeutic and in this instance it's a therapeutic dependent on gene transfection um we're in very very um sketchy territory right now um especially yep. especially considering the nature of what's being expressed and yeah yeah as you say uh impact on long-term innate uh, immunity
3: mm-hmm. yeah and that that's been mapped out um on my call of paper i think uh last year mm-hmm. kind of mapped that out uh and then one piece which really kind of came into uh focus uh for me on the biological side was just the effect on, on mitochondria um and uh how we see this, right? Uh, DNA concentration what is normally at 2.2. Spike infected is at 1.2 milligrams per milliliter. That's a 50% decrease. There's less nucleotide nucleotides being around, and people are wondering, how, how do you become hypoxic? What, where is this hypoxia coming from? Well, it'll go, RNA concentration 2.25 to 4 milligrams per milliliter, right? Saccharide levels 1.5 to 0.7 because it starts burning sugars. It goes into anaerobic respiration. So And then you start to get your ROS and everything else is out there. Um, the other uh, aspect which was really interesting uh, is that um, it started producing saturated phospholipids. Uh, and then I had also um, remembered uh, something back about how uh, transendothelial resistance is reduced, right? So is, now is it reduced from an interaction, or is it from a structural level right Because if you have saturated saturated uh, phospholipids, then you know they're weaker um, than what they otherwise would naturally be, so then the membranes themselves start to be weaker as as it's being produced. It was a good talk by being. he's kind of been my translator um
0: yeah, he's he's, getting...
3: he's
2: he's um a good touchstone for people. Um you know, it's he, he has an effective way yep. of uh teaching, which is you know, he he he'll go through and he's made his little um cartoons and um you know it, it, it helps people conceptualise and yeah we need we need um beans out there. Right, and you, you know that's someone that actually had to deal with uh, if if I'm remembering correctly that they they had a vaccine injury mm-hmm. in in his family right yep
3: mm. yeah, he himself even said that you know he was he felt kind of weary you know afterwards and was feeling effects mm. um, but I, I I can't remember for certain if it was if he himself had said that.
2: So I, I I I don't watch him enough to sort of know everything I I, re, I remember a long time back um yep. you know because he was uh, he, he, he was in the same class as uh, Nurse Campbell um very much a vaccine pusher and I I took issue with uh, a lot of what he was saying you know I've watched you know how how he's describing that um the protein is um made and then um it's chopped up in the cell etc it's uh so it's harmless and i i remember just a uh, a shiver of rage when he when he presented that um that lesson i guess you can consider them lessons and uh, uh, we didn't know that. And actually, we we already had data where where they'd done the electron microscopy of, and this was with viral um, expression, uh, viral vector, but the the membrane was just studded with spike protein. It was it hadn't just been uh, processed and handed to the M um, uh, MCH uh, proteins for sort of display on the surface. No, these were whole spike proteins and um you know that there was there were these people with hundreds of thousands of followers telling people or or giving literally a cartoonish description of how the vaccines worked which was essentially a sales pitch for the vaccine companies and that's not how the biology works and yeah i'm kind of thankful that they're Well, they've 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 been mugged by reality, right? Fictive meets actual, and so they're at least trying to reverse the the damage that they did do. But um, yeah, I have I have a disdain for them for just being so gullible to begin with. Um, Yep. But yeah, it 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 is what it is.
3: It is never what it's not. You know, and when it comes to uh, things being what they are, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I just put this uh, lecture into chat. This was um, Dr. Bruce Prattison's presentation at Georgetown University. Okay. Uh, And in this, uh, this is February 25th of this year, he goes down what he has found within his creation of the diagnostic for long COVID. What separates it from MECFS, um, from Lyme's disease, uh, and that it is attributed specifically to the S1 subunit of the spike protein for COVID nineteen. So unequivocally, at least since February of this year, it's been known, at least within certain areas of you know, immunology here in the States, from you know, an unassailable um, you know, even more so than uh and McCullough at this point just because of his focus and the results that he's had over 30,000 patients treated up to this point all right so in terms of like a lot of people within academia like to um, argue oh it's this it's not that long COVID exist you know <laughs> first COVID exists no it doesn't right you have to jump over that hurdle then then you got to get to long COVID exists no it doesn't well here you go lecture everybody biological markers diagnostic criteria treatment regimen if you want to help he's a world expert on it long covid is a disability you can't deny it well, a people way to are though you
2: know, and i i i'm seeing it pop up more and more and um you know in my mind once once you've got biological markers indicative of a state um you know that the argument should be done and dusted look are there malingerers who are going to try and leverage the situation for themselves sure sure but that doesn't that doesn't mean that um th- there aren't people who are actually um injured but you know by exposure and well <laughs> it, it it gets into the the space of um how much they how much they knew that this state would be a feature of release and you know i'm i'm coming more and more to the conclusion that it was highly deliberate i i, I class it in uh, as an incapacitating agent it's been used to that effect um to medicalize a lot of people get them into the medical system and the medical system is the conduit through which the totalitarian future awaits um and everything that we can do to mitigate that and try to stop that process we should be doing um Mm -hmm. so within
3: i know that there are a lot of of academics that listen to your stream i know there, there are a lot of professionals who listen to the stream you know that are you know, doctors here in the states that are in the health-related field. If you just start pushing reports of the biological reality up, then it can't be ignored.
2: Well, uh, <laughs> you you say that, but we, uh, I'm not being combative to to you. But it, it, it's it's a simple fact that we we know that, it. that there were just a whole bunch of regulatory guidelines put in that were specifically engineered to walk the system towards the release of um, these next generation countermeasures, which um, vaccination, etc., cetera. And, um, you know, but, but for that reason alone, people should be extremely angry and, um, you know, no amnesty.
0: Yeah,
3: no informed consent either when Mm -hmm. it comes to medical countermeasures, you know, so ad nauseum, you know, apparently coronaviruses are an emergency now, public health emergency, you know, which we need all these medical countermeasures. We've effectively done away with, you know, any need for um, investigation, which is why they can release a a bivalent booster on a study with eight mice. Mm -hmm. Even the study on eight mice was just cursory just to say that they had a study. Mm. you know, for the public, but even that wasn't required. Mm. MCMs can be released without informed consent, without investigation, because that's the nature of their existence.
2: And all All part of the hybrid warfare to control. Military. Mm.
3: Military legislation, military operation, military jurisdiction, military, you know, it's just like, Everything within this is martial. Everyone wants martial law? Well, okay, you got it. How how do you exist in a martial state? Well, you have to put people into a position where they can no longer ignore reality and are compelled to act by law. You know, civil liability comes both ways, right? So, I can probably see where on one one side uh, many who have been involved in this are going to say, no, we don't want to forward this up. But you know, at some point, if you're given knowledge of something and then you continue to do something like, you know, inject people with a biolog- biologic toxin that you're aware of is, then any harm that follows after that, or maybe even before that, could come back as a class action. Yeah. Do they have thought? <laughs> yeah. but um,
2: Between, between the, the release of the agent and the class action, um, you know, what harms are they going to do? And, um, I I can't remember I was listening to something today and it made, it might have been Jay's stream actually. And the guy on there said something along the lines of, you know, Stalin killed seven, whatever, 50 million. Um, but Stalin didn't kill 50 million. It was the bureaucracy which did it. Right. And it it's this this bureaucracy that's been weaponized right now and it it's it's existentially more dangerous because that bureaucracy is becoming more and more machine controlled rather than yeah. having you know dealing with human beings at the government office right so um yeah, I'm just uh, right. Right now, my my mind is just trying to fix around um, solu- solutions till you know you you're or hopefully someone with more resources comes to your aid and mm-hmm. um, manages to apply the law as we we see it should be applied. Uh, but the God, what what do we do in the meantime?
3: um well yeah uh so the best solution i guess the only solution that i have on that is one i still can uh, and am able to appeal but i'm not able to do it alone nor do i have the funds to at this point because the appeals process is is just a minefield so i'm really left with the situation of you know do i appeal this up or do i create another set of facts to sue under a different set of statutes? right i what
2: mean a, I can... what about uh trying to reach out to the wren's law guy he's he's fairly active and he might yeah. be able to I, I don't know i'm just i'm just trying to throw ideas out there that um
3: you know, I'll, I'll take whatever ideas you got, man. Um, I, I have tried wrens. Uh, I'll leave another message. Uh, yeah, you know, they, they get they get so many. Yeah, <laughs> so, so
2: you, you know, it's it's a way of finding um, a a conduit through, and you know, I think I think we do have that. Um, well, we can. Well, Charles is good friends with. Uh, Andrew Huff and Andrew mm-hmm. Huff has worked closely with Thomas Renz. So, you know, this is, it's not, it's not like we're coming there and asking him to do something from nothing. It, you know, you've done all the legwork, right? It's, it's now, it's now about getting,
3: um, you need to get a professional eye on it yeah. to see if there's anything there or, you know, really just to kind of, mm. you know, let it go. Um, and then, You know, with things being that the way that they are, um, being more direct. I found that just being more direct in what you really want and ask for. Like, in the end, I was trying to use informed consent in order to... Oh, Charles Charles is
2: in the chat. Wait So he's saying, I would seek out Yenin Yunus on Twitter. I don't know who that is. She's part of the two attorneys general lawsuit. Um, Yeah, just, uh, I'll, I'll hook you up with Charles, bro. And maybe he can point you in the right direction. Um, Yes,
3: please. That'd be awesome.
2: uh, Yeah. It it needs to be quick, though, right? So it it was three days ago that this was handed to you,
3: I want to say. Correct. Yep. So the clock started on the 13th. That's day one. I have 21 days, and these are court days. So we have a couple of holidays in there, too. So it's be like one, two, three, four on day four Mm. of 21. So... Okay. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, I put it about the uh, middle of the second week of January, the end of the first week of January. It, it needs to be done, <laughs> if it is going to be done. Well, it it, sh- uh, it should be.
2: I mean, again, maybe maybe it's my own confirmation biases, but um, you know, there seem there seems to be grounds for. Appeal, um, and you know, just just from <laughs> just from the biology and clinical aspect, the uh, yep. um, the evidence is firmly on your side. It should be pursued.
3: Um, I don't. Yep. I am. I am. I am at the point where I cannot carry this alone anymore. I need help. Mm.
2: Um, so what do you think is the, well, the, obviously there's time that needs to be given, but just in terms of financials, what what do you think is the amount that you need to bring to bear?
3: I need about two grand. Like if I were to do it myself, I need two grand. It's five hundred dollar bond. I have to order transcripts, everything else that's involved. Um,
2: all right, folks. Uh, anything I raise today, we can put towards that two grand. Send donos. You've got fifty bucks today already from Amanda. I'll send it to you, bro. Cheers. Um, I mean, just see if there's anything else. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm. Oh, uh, there's another. Another twenty. You got seventy bucks. There you go, folks. Um, anything I've earned today, I'm I'm, I'm sending it. Let's let's get this. Uh, you know, keep it keep it going in the courts. We need to maintain momentum. You're in a fight for your lives. <laughs> Just step up, man. Um, I don't know what I don't know what else to do.
3: Um, yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah, the the only other thing that I know to do is to make use of this information and present it to people where you know it cannot be ignored. Like school boards that you know, currently have mandates for vaccination against children, just mm-hmm. hey, you know, make them aware. Not to say that there's anything legally that you can um force them to do based upon that, but that might be the case. That that might be the case in your state. Look, I don't I, know. I, so I'm not a lawyer. This. <laughs>
2: no but for for someone who's just done this off their own back um you know you've done exceptionally well you had victories, you've um and you know you've positioned them such that there is it's possible to take a um a response yeah. uh, uh, and to let to let that slide we can't do that folks we can't we can't be in a position where we're just letting it um, letting these opportunities slide. This is over a year's uh, work and effort from Anthony to get to this point. And, um, you know, if if that was, you know, you were paying for lawyers, it would be a lot more than $2,000. Um, uh, Charles, Charles says he's behind on he's just not familiar with the case what are you trying to do give us the nutshell um
3: uh so the nutshell i'm trying to hold on let me let me bring this up i'd actually emailed i'll send you an email um and bring this up one moment basically right. i need to i need to appeal uh the judgment as being an error well, the
2: the, the... Reasons for the case to begin with. Why? Why were you seeking? So, Charles. Basically, it was to establish that uh, Anthony has a sovereign right to receive informed consent about um, what's being given to him and what the risks are, and he should, under informed consent rules and regulations, be able to decline. Here we uh, go. All right.
3: Here's the case. Okay, here are the facts of the case. The facts of the case are all in writing. Oh, this is everything.
0: Um... Ah!
3: Well, uh, I thought I I was just going to do exhibits here. It looks like I did, but let me go up to Exhibit B. So on my filings, the facts of the case are from Exhibit B to Exhibit F, right? So prior to this, I had called the Virginia Department of Health. I had, um spoken with the state toxicologist for a good half an hour letting him know about the s1 subunit he basically said oh well it's biology that's going to be epidemiology you need to go to them so i called my local epidemiology place i called my local health department and then i called the 1-800 vaccine place and then they started to email me because i had asked them for very specific things in that call and this first email is what i asked them for in the call with the citations and everything. So I, noted, I, notified it, I notified them of a healthcare-associated infection related to a portable disease, requesting designation of a toxic substance as defined by administrative code. Okay. So as per this administrative code, local health director and his, and his designee shall review reports and disease received from this jurisdiction and follow up on reports. That's the administrative code, right? Um, The attached um, pathophysiological report shows SARS-CoV-2 spike protein as a biologic toxin that causes post-acute sequelae, cytokine, storm, and HHS-defined AD disability long COVID. Epidemiology has to be notified immediately to confirm the finding. and Toxicology will also be notified under the designation, under 32.1239, for any substance known to produce the toxin. Under 12VAC 590.90, those required to report, physicians, directors of laboratories, persons in charge of a medical facility, persons in charge of a residential daycare program service. So these are all the people that are required to report. It is in the administrative code. And under E, local health directors, which I was emailing the local health director, shall report, report of any disease. Many blessings. Okay, that's my first one. So I notified them, hey, under this, 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 and this. And they said, thank you for your inquiry to the Virginia Department of Health regarding vaccine research. I'm not going to read this for you, but, you know, basically um, regarding public use of COVID-19, no federal requirements for informed consent for non-research, see, non-research use of any vaccines. Details of this particular issue available on the CDC website, and when you say go here, it says go to your state.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, regarding informed consent applies to purposes of human research. What is needed is that vaccine recipients should have access to the fact sheets. These fact sheets are all they say that th- this is what qualifies for informed consent. Okay.
0: Uh, was I I'm going to go back. Okay
3: um and actually in in section 564 that is not correct what it says is typically let me guess three
2: uh... and you know the... oh, oh, we'll get to that but yeah but, but the, the point of the case was that you you were trying to establish that you should be able to uh, uh, under informed consent, have a choice because of the known risks, right? right? That that's, that's what you were aiming for.
3: Yeah. I had to be, I had to be notified uh, of informed consent, which even section 564 says, you know, the r- notice of the benefits and risks and the way to which uh, they're both known and unknown. Okay. Um, so they, they, they uh, they they basically just try and talk up the vaccine, you know, they spike proteins are common components of outer surfaces. Uh, they gave me a bad article and, you know, basically they say still get the vaccine. Okay. And here I say, finally, we acknowledge that there could be some theoretical, but as yet undocumented risks associated with development of the use of mRNA research or any other vaccines. However, at the moment, scientific data indicate that those theoretical risks are far outweighed by the clear benefits provided by being up to date with COVID-19 vaccination. So they make their case. Okay. We hope you find this helpful. And I answer back, no, I'm not interested in original trials or anything federally related. Right, because I'm asking them for informed consent as per the state. I don't need. I didn't know then what I knew now. Right, I didn't know under MCMs non-investigational. That may be why they use that language.
2: Oh right? well, no, it's very obvious that they've used that language. And again, um, this this looks to the or points to the militarization of all this legislation uh, for very nefarious purposes and. You know how deep that rot runs i I would say yeah. at the moment it, it's uh it's all pervasive and uh runs to the, runs to the very top uh, rot is the wrong uh wrong word to use but the the uh, those those that were building and structuring this legislation um especially post 9/11 um, uh, were gearing up uh, well that, you know what were they thinking but they were just—they were just going to vaccinate against any and all potential um, pathogens of threat. That's unreal, <laughs> right? Is—is—is is, is that where they were going, or—or or was it? Well, that plus the control measures that they're bringing into uh, corral human populations. Uh, it, it, it's uh, well, we're in a dangerous spot, and um, yeah. Again, I would—I would just. Uh, Let's see. Good doggy says, "What was Matthew Crawford's take on Rens? Didn't he say Rens ignored his DMed data analysis?" Pretty sure Matthew Crawford said Rens went with a salacious interpretation of DMed data. Yeah, I did hear that. Um, but uh, uh, again, um, you know, when when your back's against the wall, um, and and we're in a situation where we need a lawyer to to help anthony here and you know the the first part of that we can do which is what, what did you say 500 for the bond to appeal the decision
3: and yep and then i'm going to need to order a transcript for the court reporter that's going to be another couple hundred mm. uh, i'm just putting it at 2 grand man mm. you know a 50 filing fee
2: and and then then there's the long arduous task of going through the well i mean you've got a lot of the written stuff down and the the the, you understand the statutes but um you know this this could be a really critical case Mm -hmm. and um it it not just for covid but for any of the new platforms that they're thinking of rolling out yep
3: because essentially what i'm trying to do is rest jurisdiction of informed consent away from the federal government and put it back in the hands of the state Mm. if because you know if state police powers are activated then it's difficult to say state police or powers are being activated under federal legislation under federal jurisdiction
2: Charles is saying avoid Rens, He's been largely impotent since last January. Okay, I mean that—that's good to know. Um, the, uh, like, you know, there there are these, you know, there there are networks out there that um, can put their heads together, and um, in, we can. I, I'm I'm sure within 21 days we can um, at least muster a position where. Uh we can fire back at least um, get get one more round right <laughs> just <Get it> round <laughs>
3: yeah, third time's a charm, I'd obliterate them in appeal i'd I, I i would obliterate the opinion I really would um cause i i am I'm already familiar with the arguments and even where the where the sentences are <clears throat> I just need i just need. So I'm either going to do it myself, or I'm going to have someone who sees the stakes in this and um, will help either me structure it or carry it themselves. You okay. know, if a person just wants to offer assistance, if they don't want to put their name to it, but kind of like knows the appellate process, I'm I'm open to conversations as well. You know, uh, as a, as well as to just you know, hey, take it and run with it.
2: Um so Charles is asking where you are in Virginia. Charles might be um within sort of uh We'll talk of his... offline. Okay. Um yeah. But uh what about Robert Barnes? Um I don't know. I mean my impression about Robert Barnes is is he's uh he's a glamour lawyer. And I um unless there's sort of Money in it. I'm not sure he's going to be interested in this type of thing.
3: Yeah, no, this is pro bono just for the walls. Someone who just wants to be a pain. Mm. You know, there and, is no and, money. And,
2: and it, you're not doing this for. Um, you're not suing for monetary um, nope. recompense. The, the 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 sole purpose of this is just to establish the legal precedent that you have the right under these under this legislation that they've pushed through for informed consent and choice to say no
3: and compa- and actually it's um the the second part of the suit which kind of developed as the case went on is just the compulsory reporting part i i believe that the compulsory reporting is more powerful than the informed consent because it's what The informed consent is predicated upon and consequential to without the requirement of them to report that the S1 subunit is a causative agent for long COVID and then everything else which falls from that being the reality, um, then uh, informed consent becomes consequential to that duty to report. Right, so where which is why, and and I ha, and I made that switch in oral arguments. That is in the transcript, okay, um, and it was presented orally. It just wasn't in writing, you know. So if you look at what's in writing, because that correction was made on the sovereign immunity point um, during oral, because I had, I actually I made an error in my file in the filing of my opposition because I had cited non-state cases. Um, but then I found within a case that the attorney ju- in Afsol, in AFSAL v Commonwealth, the very case that the judge uses uh, to justify granting sovereign immunity, is where I found where they don't. You know, so there there's just some clear errors uh, within the appeal. We may, may have run into a situation where the judge realized what was going on, and maybe the court just wanted to make more money. I mean. No, I
2: I I, 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 I put it down more to th- there are powerful forces behind these judges um, that sway decisions that that they're they're encouraged to you know like a form of motivational forgetting uh, or selective reading of of evidence presented in front of them, and it- you know I can't. I can't emphasize enough um where um that, you know everyone's sort of going for civil cases etc Anthony's going for much more basic um legal rights and standing um the crimes against humanity tour with Richard Charles myself Andrew and uh, Joanna um that's not geared towards um trying to get uh, civil damages it's about trying to establish criminal um intent um there's 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 no there's no money in this and so therefore yeah the 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 glamour lawyers are not going to be interested sadly um and
3: declaratory judgments are specifically precluded from being awarded attorney's fees (laughs) by law no attorney's fees I don't know how that works in appeal, though. I think they do get paid.
0: I don't know. Yeah, so there might you be money in you know, deal, but
2: I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, 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 again, I would just put this: it's not about the money; it's about pursuing the legal pathway to establish some some type of precedent that um, you know, helps the helps the populace the, us and mench that are just getting stamped on at the moment, folks.
3: Correct and foundational to everything is getting the spike protein designated a biologic toxin or poison agent you know different states um define it differently you know and when you look at what the c when i look at what the cdc said um regarding uh, vaccine euas you know uh reference to pharmacists who may be acting pursuant to state law under sending order and tended to suggest the sending orders are required for pharmacists so Basically, they're asking who does the CDC answer to. So when the FDA issues an EOA, it provides an access mechanism to medical countermeasure. We've been through this before, right? Um, and they become stakeholders. So EOA is only a mechanism. It does not absolve emergency response stakeholders such as VDH from their own statutory duties as defined in state law, such as providing informed consent. And they use Section Five Sixty Four as a legal defense kind of going around um n f i b versus sibelius um Zook v. king this is all cited in the emails that I sent them. This isn't the the lawsuit this is just the email that I sent them, so all of this is cited. they can't say they didn't know like right? there's a clear ju- justiciable controversy because I'm the only one making these arguments and trying to hold them to account as opposed you know as opposed to arguing on behalf of everyone fuck <laughs> out of here. You know, and then even within here, regarding long COVID, long COVID results from the S1 subunit and non-classical monocytes, as for Bruce Patterson, I sent them his, his work, right, and then I also sent, and he recently went over biomarkers, diagnosis, and treatment at a conference in Georgetown, that same conference that I put in the chat earlier. So with the S1 subunit itself, there are three protein sequences at that point that I was aware of. Pathogenic concern, you know, the um, ACE2 on the RBD, the alpha-7 nicotine cholinergic um, receptor binding behind the RBD when it's in a closed state, it can attach to alpha-7. And then PRRA, which is a furin cleavage site, MSH3, Hermansky pudlak I'm like, there you guys go, you know. Here here are the links to part one and part two. Well, I
2: I, I I would just add it to that um you know we have the papers now which would say that the uh, furing cleavage site is synthetic it's a, it's an insertion and mm-hmm. um therefore you know, it's uh it, the the gravity of of the the case is much greater because well if especially if you could get that entered into court and law that we're dealing with uh, lab origin um, product, and well, again, again, this is for for anyone that's listening to this that might might have um, or, or be able to help in some way. It's such it's such a low hanging fruit that oh, uh, I'm I'm getting frustrated just at the thought of it.
3: <laughs> like all this work all this setup mm. you know um it, it really does kind of hang in there um you know uh in the end i don't have anyone to blame but myself because i only brought this by myself <laughs> but uh any help right now um i mean eternally grateful for but you know uh and and even within within these emails like i go into msh3 you know i go into Um, neutralizing antibody activity post-infection, right? I I, I slayed them. I slayed them. okay, in this email, in my response to it. And then they say, oh, well, thank you, Mr. Pena. And the most important aspect of, let's see, yeah, right here. We agree with your comment that SARS-CoV-2 spike protein is closely related to the cause of long COVID. I have an admission, you know. When you have an admission from any agency that they agree with what you've just presented, you're like, I don't know. Hallelujah! Because then any future suit brought um, this point is not in dispute. So in the declaratory judgment, I'm not asking them to call the spike protein—well, yeah, I actually am—but um, I- I'm not asking for the judge to rule on whether the spike protein is toxic. It's already a given in this case, which is why to see it kind of at the state of where it is now for the reasons where it is, knowing the arguments that are winnable upon appeal um, but eventually what is going to happen is that upon appeal errors would have to be made and then an amended filing would have to be uh presented correcting the errors in my own um initial declaratory judgment making making use of 32.1-35 which i didn't know about at the beginning of the case uh and then from there the process would continue meaning they could still file motions for other reasons there may be other oral arguments you know it would just be an appeal in order to continue the process in trial court i would not necessarily i would not win on appeal the only thing that would happen is that the errors of the judge would be notated and the court would be sent back down with specific instructions
0: right
2: so oh, you you know. I I I'm, I'm going to give you 500 bucks. i <laughs> will try and just earn it as I go along but um if that if that's what's sort of stopping the initial response uh I I can't sit here and <laughs> just uh, just not do anything. So there there folks, I'm I'm doing it. I'm stepping oh. up. Um there's I I'm, I'm going to give Anthony 500 bucks to uh um Keep the ball rolling, man. Um, Almost
3: there, folks. Almost there. (laughs) Uh, Well, you
2: know, just hope, just hope the Christmas spirit flows. Um, As I as I I, I rattle my cup across Christmas, Uh, where's the donation link? Uh, I can send you.
3: Grab that. Hold on, I actually have one. Have another one here on the bottom of the article i also have a give send go i'm just working with them
0: boom here we go um yeah look let me see if i can do that right now put it over here Give. i'm going to try and give anthony 500 bucks right now um
3: but oh, did thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank
0: Oh, you, you can
2: you can put me down on the uh, uh your foundation um you've got a um phd neuroscientist part <laughs> well, bringing in the legal fight <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome uh, like i said I, I, I lead by example and um uh, yeah uh,
0: let do that let do this and that
3: cool awesome i'm trying to. um Oh no, I hear you. Having other messages come through is just, like, amazing.
2: No, I need to go get my wallet. Uh, keep keep me begging, no dude.
3: <laughs> thank you, Chris, from the UK uh, for bringing me and Kevin together. Um, thank you, Bracken Bucker, especially, for being the most scientifically-minded chat in Discord. Slash group of people that have helped me kind of sort down especially the biology of this thing Uh, as well as vax frankly you guys are amazing the whole frankly family and quite frankly yeah like the original impetus and motivation um for helping me push through my first lawsuit so a huge shout out to the quite frankly quite frankly fam out there Quite Frankly TV, seven PM to nine PM every day, Monday through Friday. Definite, definite shout out to what I, who I consider to be the best in the biz.
2: Uh, who are you on about?
3: Second to Kevin, of course. Uh, quite Frankly. Oh, um, you,
2: you know, what? I'd, 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 love to speak to Quite Frankly and get uh, myself and Charles on there. Would be, um, would yeah. be great. Um, I don't know if. Uh, I think it would be an awesome show how well you do know him but um you know we could blow his socks off i'm pretty sure
3: yep i will i will let him know
0: because that would be awesome
2: oh, um I nearly it, dead. okay
3: it tends to be a tighter format you know anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes so i know we like to go long here <laughs> uh
2: you know we can compress it down but that's but... good um, you know, the, the whole point of the way I do my stream is to make sure that we cover everything and, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that takes a, a long, long format style. Um, uh, did, uh, you should join that. No, not now. Um, let's just see if that worked. Um, I'll send it out on Twitter um i mean uh, i i've I've sent 500 bucks i'm gonna put a twitter out um and make make it go viral right (laughs) like we've got to get up to two grand and 500 for the filing um
3: i'm gonna say it's gonna be about another 500 for the transcript filing fees 50. i'm gonna need to travel at some point
0: So and if I'm going to be running this on appeal then I would need to f- figure out how to write in notice of error It's a whole different process when you get into that But luckily for me I am already um I already have access to VASIS, which is the uh, Virginia Appellate Division, like their their servers, and so I can file a lot of this stuff electronically, which would be great. I just need to collate it. So, man, dude, hold on, I need to. Let's
3: go and go. let's go here, Oop. wow, oh, my man, my man, love, love,
0: to Kevin. Thank you so right, I'm much, I'm trying bro. to make this, uh, close. I just need 500. We are close.
2: Uh, hang on. Let, me, let me put Charles on that. Retweeted, Charles.
3: Uh, what, Charles coming in?
2: Well, uh, you know, Charles is very well connected now, so... Um, That's awesome. All right, tweeted. Um, cool. So, yeah, there there you go, folks. Um, lead by example. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I just have to work hard now for Christmas <laughs> thank you <laughs> all right so um uh, Kev could set up some guests for a marathon fundraising stream yeah I mean I, I would be happy to um and I sent to Chip Kev. okay thank you um Uh, all right well we raised 500 (laughs) oh you got 500 and that that's that's boom that's it to uh what do you say what's it called the filing for
3: Uh, filing for the appeal
2: um yeah man (laughs) (laughs) look folks if we if we can't stop it at at the legal level um, we're screwed you don't want to go there seriously Uh, it it'll be bleak and this is a like I say we've got a very very small window in which we can do something and if we learned anything from the stream that we did yesterday as we just r- ran through the permutations, we're we're far, far further down the rabbit hole than m- most people are aware of because these people have evil intentions for you, your family, your loved ones, the country.
3: And, and I think then and it's my belief that this window is very quickly closing because we're starting to get to a point where um for the emergencies for SARS themselves are starting to be relieved even china says we're not good you know we're getting rid of zero covid
2: mm. yeah right? this is this is about getting in the legal um architecture to stop it next time right because <laughs> because that yeah the whole program is to change out to these gene transfection technologies and combination flu's and whatever else that they deem necessary and they will they will introduce these vaccine passports right and it it'll be a mechanism of control you will not be able to travel without it it will encompass you your family um it's uh, well yeah.
3: Not, 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 to mention completely degrade your physiology. Regardless oh yeah, that's bit as well. Whatever to... is easing, you know, whatever it's producing in your body.
2: Yeah, just, just the actual biowarfare that they're waging on your body as well.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and and literally, you can do it with just positive charges. You know, these are cationic, positively charged lipid nanoparticles. So I think I read an article where it said 40 trillion mRNAs are introduced via a Moderna vaccine. 40 trillion mRNAs times how many lipid nanoparticles? Because they're surrounded. Mm. Yeah. And these things are operating on a quantum scale.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, the that level of biology might be difficult to argue in a court. There's there's toxicity that we can demonstrate right now that um you know we have to we have to establish that that you have the right to inform consent when they're when they're rolling out military medical countermeasures sorry (laughs) it's
3: yep and they have to be provided on the state if the state wants to participate in a federal program and give federal pro pro program access right to have vaccines then and federal courts have ruled that and actually the section 564 itself says that anyone um, participating in an, the distribution of an mcm is also held to account um, by section 564 and in section 564 when you have you know risks of benefits known and unknown um, Risk of
0: benefits, uh, risk of exposure. But so, if
3: they have to provide knowledge to which the risks are both known and unknown, risk and benefits are known and unknown. But it has already been accepted that the spike protein is the causative agent for long COVID, then they would still have to tell you that they don't know what your chances are of catching long COVID. The knowledge of the fact that the S1 subunit is the causative agent of a disabling SQL-A is also uh, related to a disease of public health threat compels them, it compels them to act, it compels them to report, that's what, and it has to be done on a state level, on a state format, not a federal format. Those are what my arguments are, and that's why I'm in state court, and state court is saying they don't have, um, what do they say,
0: no standing, right? Yeah. And sovereign
3: immunity? Because I'm not, because I'm arguing on behalf to remedy an issue that is general to all citizens of the Commonwealth. No, I'm asking for informed consent for myself. Right? And the justiciable controversy are the emails.
0: And no one else is involved in that. My cases are my own and Sovereign Immunity, according to AFSOL, right?
3: Virginia Administrative Code, that's actually 2.2. 2. I can't change it. They don't have Sovereign Immunity to ignore it. And I've already cited the codes in my emails. Like the, the, Exhibits
0: B through F
3: are the bees knees that it is the case and it outlines everything so if if there's a hole within this that i missed which apparently was the medical countermeasure but i kind of remedied that by relating um the spike protein to diseases that are required to be reportable which is why the foundation of this inquiry or this type of lawsuit for informed consent has to begin from establishing the fact that one, long COVID is a direct sequelae of a disease of public health threat, that it's caused by the S1 subunit, which it's, and long COVID is also a disability, which means that the S1 subunit causes a disability. And if the S one subunit causes the disability, it's a biologic toxic by definition. And I need to be and I need to be notified of that. The three resources that you that that you are in this article that I used myself in my own communications with the Virginia Department of Health. Bruce Patterson's article and his lecture. Rezia Pretorius, her article, and then the lecture that Dr. Bean gave kind of explaining it, because these videos help to make it accessible to people. Not everyone is a scientist, but when they see the person who wrote the paper, give a presentation, or have another immunologist go over the paper, that allows them, that this is is what allowed me to really understand and get into the physiology. I'm not a biologist, (laughs) either okay but i can think and i'm i'm very smart and i have integrative thinking and i have some background in orc or and you know um neurology and physiology and that type of stuff i do have some some background i'm not a complete novice but i'm not a professional it's not what i do for a living i Um, I guess it kind of i guess guess, kind of has been become that over the course of the past two years but well
2: um you know just put me down on your foundation dude you have a i'll come there and testify about the neurotoxicity we Um, yes
3: sir will do you know and then it's just a matter of finding and giving this information and putting this information in front of people and seeing how they react you can't force a reaction on people right you can provide them the information and you can see what they do and then you respond to that in kind and it's that back and forth which sets up a fax for a case to be filed. You have to go in and have a conversation with the person. you got to see if, they're, if they would listen to you, and if they're going to do what it is that you want them to do, and if not, why? The trick is to get that in writing. So that way, what you ha- either that or record it, so that it's documented, and that becomes evidence that is later presented. There is no lawsuit that is gonna begin on its own. Every lawsuit begins from interactions that happen in reality, okay? So the facts need to be set so that they can be presented in court under a legal standard to which an argument is made that you are seeking relief from the court. The facts need to exist first. After the facts exist and the exchange is had, and you've provided them information that the S1 subunit is the cause of long COVID, long COVID causes a disability. So the S1 subunit causes a disability and is therefore a biologic toxin by definition.
2: And look, boom, 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 boom. Um, there's a bunch of papers that have been published right now which um, demonstrate harms from the vaccines. You know, when, when you started this a year ago, Uh, We were still waiting for the data. Um,
3: uh, But, But when you attack it from the root of its purpose, which is the creation of the S1 spike protein in the body and the knowledge that it is toxic biologically, then everything else follows... That that is like the linchpin that has to be established first, and then everything else will follow. That why are vaccines causing so much? Oh well, you know we have we have acknowledgement that the S one uh, subunit is toxic. Florida is getting ready to do a whole investigation. It's been known for a year. What what do you need to investigate, right? So, and actually, um, CHD, they're doing work in Florida. Well, why don't you start filing some of these um, compulsory reporting type of Mm -mm. lawsuits under declaratory judgment, right? And if they're really doing an investigation and they're really looking into it, they're not going to ignore it. That's what a grand jury in a Supreme Court? My man, this needs to be established First, because they're gonna go into myocarditis and hepatitis and there's a legal mechanism and ah, bro, foundation. S1 subunit biologic toxin.
2: Yeah, I'm busy, bro. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Any, any of these fights that I can get into,
3: I I, I will. Um, you know. Yeah. And then once that established. Then you can look at investiga- investigating the technology and maybe other effects that may be associated with that, because what's going to happen is they're going to say, well, not everything, you know, is caused by as one. So I mean, we need to investigate this other stuff, you know, it's like, it's not all of that. When they, when they start to equivocate and negotiate, got see, nah, it's already done. Okay uh but and then at that point then you can really start to getting in into the um uh into the lnp's and kind of the and the foundation of the technology itself you know cuz you know they're finding that they've had mitochondrial mediated apoptosis for a while you know and scientists have been saying hey you know if you have these positive charges that are known to induce mitochondrial-mediated apoptosis, maybe you want to think twice about, you know, establishing a whole new technology on it because we really don't know what happens to these charges after they break down, you know? And, and, and the other thing which is interesting about the mRNAs uh, and the pseudouridine is that um, even after the, full pseudour- the fully methyl pseudourinated um, mRNA gets broken down, it can still be reuptake, like reuptake can still occur, and um, fragmented mRNA can still be translated. So even, right? So even after, you know, they say, oh, the mRNA is breaking down, which doesn't take two days, it takes a lot longer because of the methylcetoridines, but those fragments themselves can still can still create it. So it's n- it's not at the point of initial degradation. You know, the, oh, well, it's gotten cut once, so then that's it, and I'll because, you know, if it's cut at the fur and cleavage site, well, you can still have S1 being produced. Right? So a lot of other things. Um,
2: yeah, I, I, I can say. Um, it's, pe- people need to... I don't know how much I can try to hammer home that you know it's it's a slim window and we're fighting against people that have been positioning pieces for decades right now um and if if it this legal if the legal part doesn't work and we get into the next stage um which is likely to be how should we say um a bit more revolutionary it's, uh, maybe maybe uh you know they're going to be sprinkling the tree of liberty i want i want to try to avoid that stage if possible
3: if possible uh, you um, know uh, the, the thing is with that it just it, it becomes chaos and anarchy yeah um, um
2: and they they want that. They want that because then you cannibalize yourselves. They'll be they'll be hauled up somewhere nice, and they'll be, they'll come in and pick up the pieces, hoover it up, and that that's how these people think. And look, the simple fact is, and again. I'd encourage everyone, just go watch the stream I did yesterday with Charles, just as we work through the permutations, we're just looking at it from the military perspective and, and what the what the potential threats are that we're dealing with. And um it doesn't look good. So anything anything that we go look, 'cause if you get into that if you get into that chaotic situation you need to be able to say to yourself, you did everything that you could to stop it. Right. You, you, you've got to be you've got to be able to say that you're getting into a just war position.
3: And. Yeah, which is why um, what I think, uh, what I personally believe is that we are at the doorstep and then this is going to be kind of a shot across the bow in a sense in terms of massive dissemination. You know, the other thing with this is that this can also be done by email. You know, a lot of local health departments have emails, you know, maybe we can set up just like a mass email campaign. I'm, I'm kind of you know, still in a, um, like a mortem, digesting, trying to figure out what I'm going to do, whether appeal or whatever, but no, you're going to appeal, you know. Dave. <laughs>
2: yeah. Get in there. Um, there get, keep it going. Uh, you know, the, the flame has been lit, so, yep. you know,
3: <laughs> bring kindling and uh, start fanning the flames, goddammit. So this is how we fan the flames. We fan the flames by distributing this information to as many people mm. that have authority or that are in the medical field as possible. Eventually, one of them, you know, will react in a way which will cause some form of official response we'll just say right because what everyone is running under right now is they're running under the cloud of plausible deniability i don't know i haven't looked into it well maybe once that shell is removed and it and To where they can no longer say plausible deniability where they are notified officially you know via affidavit or email or however it is that you want to do it um then you can look at well because you didn't do anything with this information then you become liable and you cannot behind sovereign immunity
2: i'll just i'll just add this sorry to disturb your flow um if if you don't the people watching this if I, I, anthony's talking about the authorities but if you don't do it okay y- you're 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 dodging your ethical and moral responsibilities and you know, <laughs> god has wow. a way of making you pay for that right and um
3: you know yeah. Max, and and and, I, and I'm not going to fault anyone because, you know, but you're right. Responsibility does need to be had. I mean, at some point, yeah. you know, looking at a screen and receiving information eventually has to translate into concrete action in the real world. Yeah. You know, yeah. as as much validation and verification as we can provide you all here of what the reality is, it's only as powerful as your ability to apply it in your own circumstance in your own world in your own life in your own locale for yourself and your family i'm doing all i can if you know in a state and i mean more than a full-time job bro
2: (laughs) yeah I, i i get it and um the hang on one second uh okay um i i i probably should wrap up um uh, i got i got calls i need to make um but let me just see if there's any um, comments here uh if this is done in virginia how would it affect the rest of the states like pennsylvania for example um well my understanding is that each state being different but it's you know you've you've basically been given a heuristic of how to do it okay and and as Anthony says you've got to go to the library and find out that the the specific statutes that that state has but there will there will be similar statutes to um, to build these cases around did I get that right
3: Uh, yeah I mean declaratory judgments are standard for every state each state has its own process uh, and way of working within the court. It's called civil procedure, the rules of civil procedure uh, that handle declaratory judgments. So that would be the type of filing that you would be issuing. And uh, on a second, I just get this. So and what you would have to do is you'd have to place a filing in relation to other laws, right? And in my case. I was using a declaratory judgment in relation to informed consent and compulsory reporting laws. Okay, so you need to research both both the, the procedure and bar that needs to be met for what you're filing for as well as um, the statutes as they relate, relate to the case itself, whether it's going to be compulsory reporting, informed consent, or, you know, something else. Uh, and and it, right, in the local library, uh, every state has uh, its own kind of book of laws um, in Virginia, it's called the Virginia Code uh, in North Carolina, it's called the Virginia excuse me North Carolina General Statutes. Um, I believe it's called uh, the Florida Statutes uh, is what it would be in Florida. and in that book, you would find the let me get all the way over here to the end. Now we just want to show I uh, write all this stuff. Okay. Okay, so declaratory judgments. This is a type of filing. This is under civil remedies and procedure. Okay. And then you'll go then they'll go into case law, how the law has been applied. And it's good to know at least this. Declaratory judgments and the case law. So that when you go in and are presenting the information, you're already aware of um the framework that needs to be satisfied in order for a court to listen to a declaratory judgment, the types of bars that you need to pass, as well as um different ways of structuring your argument or what you're presenting to the people within the facts, so that when it eventually comes around uh to the judge it's already kind of notated but that's the uh the quick
2: 10 second version (laughs) well um there you go folks uh so you've got the give send go link um you know everyone needs support um please uh be look we're fighting (laughs) we're fighting for all of you Right, we um, we need help, and you know, again, you have to ask. There's, you know, there are the sort of glamour um, individuals out there. What what are they doing? What are, what are they really doing? And you know, uh, maybe they're more driven by vanity and cliques and um, the well, their pursuit for civil damages etc they they're more motivated by money i don't know um myself i just I just want to make sure that my family is protected as possible and let let's get the legal cover in place and you know this is well this would be the third case i'll, I'll be actively involved in international criminal court there's the crimes against humanity this one um <laughs> line them up
3: nice yep we got to line them up so we can line them up mm. if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah <laughs> if we get lucky yeah
3: on that note many blessings Kevin. thank you so much
2: yeah you're welcome dude it's always a pleasure. Um, Okay, we maybe should just do a stream, but not a legal stream we can do, uh, I don't know, a more metaphysical one. Um,
3: yeah, that'd be a good one.
2: All right, <laughs> all right bro, you take care. Um uh, I'll, I'll speak to you soon. And like I say, um, you can put me down on your things, uh, uh, foundation. Uh, you got a doctor there. Okay, We'll
3: do. Leverage Technology it. Research,
2: Leverage yep. it, bro. Cheers. All right. There we go, folks. Um, right. I'm going to drop that. I, I did have a stream. I wanted to cover the uh, the report that's come out from the House Committee, uh, Republican House Committee into Investigation into COVID. Um, I've got a few choice words that I want to be saying about that. Um, I see problems with it. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I maybe they'll take my no, I don't think actually think about it. I don't think they will because I um from what I've seen, just as a brief summary and I'll try and do this in the next stream, um, is uh, the, the the focus is on just Chinese biological warfare. Um our problem is bigger than that. We're we're dealing with uh multiple countries engaging in types of research that can be leveraged by well uh entities and organizations that don't have your best interests at heart um so with that uh i'm going to say thanks um yeah support anthony um support mckay and dojo uh go to the links and um yeah i'll try and i'm, I'm trying to line up a stream this weekend uh i need to i need to make calls so i've gotta i gotta do that right now um so take care guys god bless see you in the next one and uh, of course take the words of prophet burgle to heart <laughs> see you next one
1: bro god. you don't know how angry i am you do i was like i was just leaving for fucking work you do not understand how fucking first off after reading that one i will be arrested for most taking a fucking vaccine oh, fuck these faffers i will fucking kill each fucking copper, I swear. <laughs> this is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually say. Fuck these cappers. No fucking vaccine or MIA or ever throw through my fucking blood blood. Never. No. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my
3: these motherfuckers! All that
1: five. is got this guy. 70- Turn
0: <laughs> <military system. laughs>